Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. You know, I want to welcome you here. If this is your first time at church today, welcome. We're, you're, you're, you're coming to a life-giving place. There's life here. The Spirit is moving. God is real. And I really believe that God has a very specific plan for each and every person that is here today. So get ready for that. Allow God to speak to you. Because it's very easy to come to church and leave the same way that you came. But you could have a moment with God today. And that has certainly been my prayer as I've been preparing for this moment together. Um, We've just started a brand new series. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's called Heaven on Earth, I think. Something like that. It's a a good series, but I forgot the title off the top of my head. But it is a good series. And uh, it is on the Sermon on the Mount. And that's all the thing that you need to remember. And and, uh, I'm excited to share with you today, specifically from... um, from verse um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. It, it's two very small little pieces of scripture. We're going to spend all of our time together going through two analogies. And essentially what I love most about the Sermon on the Mount is it's, it's kind of Jesus' um, explanation to his followers. Um, this is how you be a Christian. You know, right, right as he was beginning his ministry, he, he, he called the, his, his, his team together. He assembled his followers, his disciples, and, and he began what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And essentially what he was doing is he was explaining to people, this is what it means to be a Christian. Like when I talk about having a faith, this is what I want you to think about. It's like he's saying, forget everything you've ever learned about religion and let's, let's, let's shift the way we look at your relationship with God and the way that God interacts with you and the way that you interact with others. And so this morning, I want to spend some time looking at two really helpful analogies that Jesus gives to help us as Christians um, contextualize our faith, help, help us walk out our faith. And, and it starts off, well, the first analogy we're going to look at is found in verse 13. And Jesus shares these seven words, and it, it, it's, it's an odd one. He's, he's gathered his disciples, he's gathered his followers, and this is his advice. This is what I want you to be. You are the salt of the earth. That's weird, isn't it? Like, like, like if I was Jesus, I certainly probably wouldn't have started there. I would have been like, guys, pull it in, pull it in. You are now going to be the priests. You are now going to be the leaders. You are the mavericks, the pioneers, the trendsetters. You are the ones who are going to carry this message forward. Let's go. But Jesus doesn't do that. He throws them a curveball. He says, you know what it means to be a Christian? It means you're the salt of the earth. And, and at first glance, this is a really odd label to throw at a Christian. <laughs> You're going to be salt. And it's odd until you consider the ramifications of what it means to not actually have enough salt in your body. If we look at what it means to have salt deficiency. You know, signs of salt deficiency are um, loss of strength, weakness, even blindness. Uh, fatigue, low energy. If you don't have enough salt in your body, you, you can get confused, irritable, 
And, and I feel like this is a very significant word for us today. Not just in that moment when he was originally talking to his disciples and followers 2,000 some years ago. But there's, there's an, a universal, universal principle that's being communicated here that very, very much hits us, hits us today, hits us hard. Because maybe you happen to notice that in your world recently, maybe, maybe your faith is a little bit weaker than it used to be. <laughs> if, you, if you're just going to be honest, it's almost as though something is missing. And it's a bit awkward trying to figure out how to be a Christian these last few years. Maybe you're exhausted. You know, on the outside, everyone thinks everything is fine, but inside, in your core, in your spirit, your soul is tired. It's almost as though you're, you're tired of doing the right thing. And just, just doing the right thing feels like a chore. You're, you're, you're confused. You're having a hard time discerning what is, what, is, what is right? What is truth anymore? There's so many voices out there blindness you're not able to even see the way you used to see it's almost as though there's scales in your eyes irritability you find yourself lashing out in ways that you didn't used to do you're almost surprised by this, this darkness that kind of spews out you find yourself maybe more cynical than usual or, or bitter or angry or you're barking back at people your spouse, your kids, the neighbor walking down the street. You find yourself posting things you never usually post, ever. And we're living in a world that's suffering from salt deficiency in so many ways. And the Christian cure, the Christian faith is the cure. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to make a difference in this world? Friends, you want to make a difference? Like you want your faith to matter? You want, you, want to, you want to feel different because you're a Christian? You want to know how you do that? You need salt. It's about saltiness. And salt is a really fascinating thing. You see, in Bible times, Roman soldiers were actually paid with salt sometimes. It was so valuable that, that they would receive salt as payment because there was no refrigeration. There wasn't fridges and things like that. So, so you'd use salt as a, um, as, as a tool to, to, to keep your meat from um, preserved and, and things like that. Salt was, in fact, so valuable that people would refer to it as white gold. Now, I tried. I tried paying my kids allowance in salt and... Um, Inflation hasn't been as favorable in the salt industry. <laughs> and uh, when I gave them salt, they weren't as excited. But, uh, um, but th so that's a thing. But, but salt is fascinating. Like for the, for the word nerd in here, um, the word salary comes from salt. Uh, in fact, uh, it might be said that uh, the, the, the term not worth your salt. He's not worth the salt, man. man that guy's not worth the salt. All comes from this, like salt was seen as a very, very valuable thing. And salt played an important role in ancient times. You see, when Jesus started talking about salt, in that day, salt was used as a seasoning. Same as now, we use it to season our fries, to season everything. There's too much salt sometimes. But it's used to season. And to be salty means to enhance flavor. 
So when Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers, these people, he's saying, yo, 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 listen, 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 listen. If, if you want to be salt, it means that you add flavor. You, you make the world taste better. Salt was used as a fertilizer in small doses. To be salty means to, to help things grow. You want to be salt, it means you, you help people grow. We're not, we're, not, we're not gifted with the gift of criticism. We're gifted with the gift of helping people grow. That's what it means to be salty. We help people grow. Salt was used as a preservation tool, as I meant, or as I said earlier. To be salty means do you, you, you do what you can to prevent rot and decay in people. Salt makes you thirsty. And to me, this is the most compelling argument of all of them. Live, friends, in such a way that when people see you, it makes them thirsty for me. It makes them thirsty for something that's missing. They see something in you and they, and they want it. Live contagiously. Can you see the, the parallels? Can you see where Jesus is going here? As a Christian, we need to be like salt so that our faith can impact others. Then Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. The second part of that verse. The second part of that sentence, that statement. He starts with seven words. You're the salt of the earth. Oops, that was upside down. Can't read upside down. Can do a lot of things, but can't read upside down. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Jesus asks his followers rhetorically. Can you make it salty again? <laughs> Can you? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus, he, he asks these questions knowing that there, there, there really isn't an answer. Now don't be misled though. You see, I have read this passage for years. And in my early days as a Christian, this passage rattled me to my core. Because I would read words like, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, God's going to trample me under his feet. If I, if I lose my saltiness, I'm worthless. Oh my word. Here's what this passage is not saying. In fact, demything this one sentence is going to be worth the price of admission today for some of you. I think some of you might actually leave here today saying, oh my word, I have misinterpreted that for so long that I've been living in a cage. And I, I want so desperately for you to be free, my friend. What Jesus isn't saying is he's not saying this. Be careful, because if you mess up and lose your saltiness, you are worthless. And for years I thought that. I gotta make sure that I'm really super Christian because if I mess up, God was gonna trample me under his feet. Be careful. Because Christianity has conditions. And if you don't perform on a certain level, God's gonna cut you off. Would you do that to your kids? Oh, you didn't clean your room. Out of the family. That'd be easier. <laughs> Are you listening to that, kids? That's a possibility. Just, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. God doesn't work like that. Be careful, because if you mess up, 
There's no second chance for you. You've had too many chances. You better stay salty because the second you're not salty, you better not come back to that church again. See, we wouldn't articulate it that way. But I'm sure there's moments in all of our lives where there's been times where we thought that. Even coming in those doors is the hardest thing in the world. Not so much for fear of what other people think, but what, what, what's God going to think? See, what Jesus is saying, he's saying salt is characterized by saltiness. Okay? When he's asking questions like, like, can you even make it salty again? What good is salt if it loses its flavor? He, he, he's painting this extreme picture. Because you see, salt needs to be salty. Salt that has no flavor is useless. He's using hyperbole. He's creating this huge, extreme exaggeration because you know what? Salt can't lose its flavor. Salt is always salty. Salt, okay, so you gotta understand where he's going, for, going with this analogy. Like, we know through science, like, the salt is a stable compound. It's sodium chloride. It doesn't, it doesn't just lose its saltiness. Salt is salty, period. So Jesus is saying, friends, followers, you're the salt of the world. Which means, like, you, you are just, you have to be salty. <laughs> like, there's no such thing as not salty salt. That's called sand. You're not the sand of the world. You are the salt of the world. And salt is salty. It's salty. Salt needs to taste like salt to be called salt. A Christian needs to taste like Christ to be called a Christian. Salt needs to be salty and Christians need to be Christian-y. <laughs> if you take salt out of salt, you don't have salt anymore. Salt no longer exists if it's not salty. And if you take Christ out of Christian, all you have is the word Ian. <laughs> and if your name's Ian, no offense. <laughs> but it's just, Ian can't save your soul, only Christ can. <laughs> so we're Christ Ians. We need Christ, or you're just an Ian. And Ians are great. They just can't save your soul. <laughs> it's that simple. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to get our attention on. So he's trying to say to his followers, like, when you're a Christian, you're a Christian, okay, guys? You don't just, you don't just pretend to be. You don't, just, you don't just tell people that you are. Because, you see, I can take salt and put it in a salt shaker and tell you all it's salt. And you all say, oh, yeah, of course it is. But I, I can also take sugar and put it in a salt shaker and tell you all it's salt. And because it kind of looks like it is, you might be tempted to think, oh, that's salt in there. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Salt doesn't just look like salt. Salt tastes like salt. It's salty. It's salty. So moving on, he changes the analogy. And then he starts talking about light. So he starts off, he says, listen, guys, you're the salt of the earth. You need to taste like salt. You need to be salty salt. Then he continues in verse 14. And it says, 
You're also the light of the world. And like a city on a hilltop, you can't be hidden. It doesn't work like that. You think, listen, 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 Christians. Not only are you designed to be salty salt, but you're also designed to be bright light. You've been created for such a time as this. You're here for a reason, okay? You're, you're, like, like, I need you to be salty salt. You got that. But I also need you to shine bright. Your time is now. The tide is coming in. You're, you're designed on purpose, with a purpose, for such a time as this, so that people can see the way you live your life and people can see me. You're the light of the world. I'm going to use you to reach others. Not so that you can reach others, but so I can reach others. I'm not sending you out to make many yous. I'm sending you out to make many me's. And I need people to see Jesus. And there's dark places in this world right now because Christians are too afraid to go there. Matthew 5, verse 15. He continues. And this is... I just love the way Jesus communicates. Because he, he, he grips you and tries to get your attention. Can you take salty, make salt not salty? Of course not. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That would be dumb. He says, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light for everybody in the house. And once again, he, he paints this, this, this very extreme example. This is clearly a lamp. You don't light it and put it under a bowl or under a basket. That would be foolish. It's weird. You don't, you, don't, you don't do that. And Jesus wants us to see our faith the same way. You don't shine sometimes and then sometimes turn it off. Light, light isn't meant to be turned off when it's inconvenient. This is why it's so important to understand the salt piece first. You see, as a Christian, you're always salty. Like you, you're always going to have that flavor. Always. It doesn't just go away. It's there. Like, like to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Like it's to, it's to have that and walk in that. And he's saying, what I want you to do now is I want you to live your life in such a way that other people can see it. We're not designed with a Christian switch. We're not supposed to be Christian in one setting and flip the switch that we're not Christian in the other setting. There's not supposed to be a Christian version of you and like a fun version of you, you know? There's not supposed to be Christian you and work you. Christian you and like the gym version of you, right? Christian you and the parent version. Christian you and the spouse you. Like, like there, there, there's just supposed to be one you. Christianity isn't meant to be fragmented. Christianity is far more holistic. And this is like right his first main sermon, the main event, what he wants his followers to get. He's like, guys, this you really need to understand. You need to be salty salt, but you need to be bright light Always. If you're going to shine light, shine bright. I was just at his conference and uh, just yesterday, and he happened to speak on the same portion of scripture 
I was like, wow, I'm going to take all his notes and preach his sermon. This is great. <laughs> but he used an analogy, and this analogy blew my mind. So good. He said, I, he's like, I did, I did a study. I, took a, I, I asked, and, and if I were to take a candle and put it on the floor in a really, really large, dark room, just one little candle, and light the candle, how far back can you go until you stop seeing the light? Like, like how bright is a candlelight in a room that's completely pitch black? Like, can I go back 100 feet, 100 meters? And what, what, what he determined in his research, he found out that you can actually go just over two kilometers and still see that one candle. Two kilometers away. You don't need to be a superstar. When Jesus is saying shine bright, some of us are like, okay, I need to get on Christian TV somehow. That is the brightest way I can shine. <laughs> We're talking a little flickering candle. You don't need to be a floodlight. A little flickering candle shines for two kilometers. And that's just one distance, right? So then if you consider that as the radius, then you look at the, the, the circumference of what that would mean. If I lit the candle here and I backed up two kilometers and now I'm watching that candle and walking the circumference, there's 20 square kilometers in that circle from one candle. And I sit here, I stand here and look at how many people are in this room and I think this is how we change the world. We don't need to be floodlights. We just need to be salty salt. And we need to shine where we're at and shine consistently. Not turning it off and turning it on whenever we want. He finishes the analogy in verse 16. He, he contextualizes it. He says, listen, guys, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Guys, what I'm sharing with you right now, salty salt and bright light, this is so important that you understand it because this is actually my rescue plan for humanity. <laughs> This is, this is the plan that you've been praying for. Messiah, come, change the world. I'm here now, and now I need you to help me. I'm empowering you. I'm sending you out. And that wasn't just a moment and a word for 2,000 years ago. This applies to us today. It applies to us right now. Light needs to shine in order to be called light. You see, you realize like darkness doesn't actually exist. Darkness is the absence of light. You take light out and you have darkness. Some of us are like, oh gosh, darkness is so scary. Ah. Well, just turn your light on. Now it's gone. Just as salt needs to be salty, lights need to be bright. Christianity isn't meant to be a secret. In fact, it, it might help you to not think of your light so much as like a, a flashlight. Because when we think of it as a flashlight, like it's, it's, it's just kind of, it helps us to seek and to search for things and helps us to look things. We're, we're kind of in control. 
But I find it so much more helpful when you consider light as more of a lighthouse or a city on a hill. You think of a lighthouse. And a lighthouse has this responsibility of shining bright in low visibility scenarios to help warn others of impending danger, to help serve and help the people around them. Salt means you have a distinct flavor and light means that you shine. So let me close with this. In order to recognize salt, the best way to recognize it is to taste it. Put a little bit on your tongue and you taste it. There's this intimate, tender, vulnerable, close component to be able to recognize salt. If I, if I took a, a pack of salt or a salt shaker and put it on the table here, and I told everybody that was salt, you would just have to trust me. I mean, okay, well, there's salt in that, in that shaker. But, but the truth is, you can go on your life believing that this is salt. And salt's in the salt shaker, that makes sense. And you can pretend it's salt all you want. And if you go throw it on your fries, you find out it's sugar. You realize, oh, gosh, ugh. that's not what I thought it was. It looked the part. It, it, it assembled the same way salt does. But it wasn't actually salt. You can't just be salt because you call yourself salt. You can't just be salt because you're in a salt shaker. Like you, you, gotta, you gotta actually be salty. And sometimes with Christianity, what happens is we tell ourselves that if I can just come into the church, if I can just tell myself I'm a Christian, if I can just hang out around other Christians, then poof, I'm a Christian. And you, you, you do that for so long, you start feeling like a Christian because you can kind of identify with, the, with, with everybody that's around you. But at your core, at your fundamental core, you know you're not salty. You know you're not actually salt. And you're sitting here today and you're like, oh my gosh, you're reading my mail, stop. And I'm sharing this with you not to judge you, not to put you on the spot. I'm sharing this to tell you to become salty is actually very simple. It's not easy, it's simple. And it's this whole process of just surrendering your heart to God again. Asking Jesus to, to come into your life. To help you to, to renew who you are. To, to forgive you of your, of your, your, your sin. It's just, just the stuff that you've done. Like, like, to take away that shame that you feel. It's possible, friends. You can fool a person, you can fool yourself into thinking you're salt by trying to look like salt, but at your core, you're only fooling yourself. Can I ask everybody in this room to close your eyes for a moment? 
I just wanna create just this little sacred space right now. Because you see, you can, you can taste salt to figure out if it's salty. And what I love about the Psalms, and what I love about God's ability to use analogies to connect with us, is it says in Psalm 34, verse eight, it says, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. And some of you, you've heard that the Lord is bad. And you've been feeling that the Lord is bad. And you've been internalizing it and thinking it's because you're bad. But this morning, God says to you, taste and see that I am good. It says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in me. You want to be salty salt? Just taste the Lord. Will you pray with me? Jesus, all around this room, we recognize the, the, the sacredness of this space. The vulnerability of just being honest before you. It's uncomfortable. But there's something peaceful in this. Jesus, thank you that you can make broken things whole that you make dead things come alive. And God, we pray that today you would revive us as a church. Revive us as individuals. That God, you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us and help other, us to see others the way you see others. Jesus, if there's anything in our life that is separating for us from you right now in this moment, I pray that you would bring those things to mind. And allow God to speak to you right now. And God's gonna speak to you likely in the form of a thought. He's gonna have a thought come. And Lord, whatever just came to mind, Father, I thank you I thank you that your death on a cross was enough to pay my way, to save me, to forgive me, to make me clean and whole. Thank you that what you did for me means that I can have new life. So Lord, when I leave here today, I wanna leave here with you at the helm. Jesus, I want to be your follower. Come inside my heart. Show me what it looks like to be a Christian. Because I can't figure this out on my own. Help me, Lord. Help me to be salt and light. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, one more thing. You see, you can recognize salt by taste, but you can't taste light. And Jesus has also called you to be bright lights. And in order to recognize light, you need to be able to see it. And some of you may have been taking your light and putting it under a basket, so to say. Can I invite you? to stand with me. But before you do,
This is gonna be your first homework. This idea of like making just a commitment between you and God. God, I'm gonna shine bright. I'm gonna try and shine when I'm at home. I'm gonna try and shine when I drive out of here. I'm gonna try and shine when I'm with my family. I'm gonna try and shine when I go back to work. I'm gonna shine. Just allow him to lead you. And if that's a commitment you wanna make to him, I invite you to stand with me. That God will help you shine. That God would help you to be a man and woman of God in all areas of your life. That he would show you what that means. Be blessed, friends. You're in a good spot. You're in a good spot because God is holding you in his hand. He's got a plan and a future for you. And you're more influential than you think you are. You're leading without even realizing it. Your shadow, like your influence, the, the, the space that you take up, it, it, it's divine. There's something sacred in that. I believe that God is actually calling some of you out. He's saying it's, it's time to stand. It's time to rise up. It's time to step out. It, it's no longer sitting in the, in, the, in the pew. It's no longer sitting on the sidelines, but, but, but the tide is coming in. And it's time to get involved. It's time to take that next step in your faith. God wants to use you. You didn't think he did, but God wants to use you. You're here for such a time as this. Let him get, lead you, my friend. He's got a plan. Amen.